0: The following podcast is sponsored by Financial Sense Wealth Management. To learn more about our investment services, go to financialsense.com or give us a call at 888. 486-3939.
1: Well, we're almost a year from the major October low, and the consensus is now for a soft landing or growth slowdown rather than a hard landing recession. However, oil prices and gas prices are starting to climb back higher, and there are still lingering concerns over inflation. How much does this change the outlook going forward? Well, to discuss this and more is Chris Poplava, Chief Investment Officer of Financial Sense Wealth Management. So, Chris, yesterday we saw a pretty strong rally in the stock market after a, a good retail sales number showing the consumer is still spending. We also receive some inflation data and we've been of the view, uh, as many of our listeners know since 2020, that we are likely looking at a secular shift in inflation data for higher than average inflation for the years to come, if not up to uh, for the remainder of this decade for a variety of different reasons. However, let's talk about some of the near-term data What's your assessment of what we saw come out this week and some of the underlying trends that we're looking at?
0: When you look at the articles that are being written on the financial media sites, essentially you had the takeaway that inflation continues to moderate and the consumer and economy are holding up, giving rise to the soft landing narrative that we're not going to have a recession. Then we're going to dodge a bull with all these Fed rate increases and everything's fine. Um, when you look at core CPI that came out this week for August, it came in at 4.3 year over year. In July, it was 4.7, so that continues to moderate from the high set last year. And when you looked at retail sales, those also surprised on the upside. So this was fuel in the market uh, rally this week and definitely giving some renewed optimism in terms of the outlook. But in my opinion, I believe a lot of that is misguided. For example, when we look at real retail sales, so that's inflation adjusted versus nominal retail sales, the picture is far different. When you look at inflation adjusted retail sales, the peak was in the spring of 2021. So when you look at the post spending after COVID, we have not seen a new high in inflation adjusted retail sales. What that tells you is we are going on now two and a half years. And the only increase that we are seeing is not in the volume of goods that are being purchased, but merely in their price. We are paying more for less. And that to me, it, you really have to kind of dig beneath the surface, Chris, and, and look beyond the headlines because the headlines are strong consumer, you know, retail sales hits new highs, uh, strong growth came in better than expected. But when you back out inflation, this does not look like a vibrant economy to me at all.
1: How long can that last, right? I mean, eventually there's got to be some type of uh, breaking point where people are just saying, hey, I, you know, I, I can't keep spending this amount for less and less.
0: I, I, Chris, honestly, I think we're already there. Um, so think about this for a second. As I mentioned, zero growth in retail sales for the last two years, but yet we keep having higher spending because of obviously the increased prices. What also do we know has happened in the last you know, year and a half We had a massive amount, trillions of dollars, of excess savings during the pandemic that consumers amassed. And what have we seen? According to the San Francisco Fed, that's been exhausted. So the consumer, I mean, just think about that logically, right? For the last year and a half, we have nearly exhausted, according to San Francisco Fed, we have exhausted the excess pandemic savings. So all of that excess savings has not gone towards more consumption. It's gone on simply to pay for the increase in prices. So my question is, where is all the stimulus gonna to come to power growth higher? And when you look at commercial banks, they're not lending. They continue to tighten the noose on all forms of credit, whether it's to businesses, to consumers, uh, for mortgage loans, auto loans, whatever it may be, they're giving less credit out and they're having higher terms in terms of interest rates and higher credit standards. So don't look to commercial banks to fuel any you know, increase in the economy through credit creation. They're doing just the opposite. In fact, Chris, when you look at the massive amount of deposit flight from banks, it's still continuing. I mean, when you look at banks I you mean, think about it, how does the bank meet your deposit withdrawal? They have to either use money from maturing loans or sell securities. And when you look at the U.S. commercial bank deposits, they are down year over year that is the biggest since the history of the data going back to the early 1970s. Even during the financial crisis, we did not see negative deposit growth for commercial banks. And conversely, because we're seeing deposit flight, commercial banks are selling securities. When you look at commercial bank securities, they are down almost 11% from the prior year. That is the steepest decline that we have seen. And there's really no turning that around because what's the incentive? The incentive is, you know what, I can go out and buy a US T-bill, get over 5% or I can keep it at my bank and earn zero. As long as that incentive to earn a higher rate of interest by buying T-bills or CDs versus just leaving it in a checking or savings account with your commercial bank, as long as that incentive is there, we're going to continue to see deposit flight from commercial banks, which means they're going to be under pressure. So how do you turn that around? The Fed has to cut interest rates. Well, why would it do that? Well, We'd have to be in a recession. So essentially, I don't see any positive developments until we fall into a recession, which in itself is a negative development. Because when we have a recession, then you have defaults pick up. And you know, another key thing I wanted to point out, uh, there's a really good point made by Dave Rosenberg. He was looking at current default rates. And when you look at um, auto loans or credit card default rates, they're at a level that we haven't seen, Chris, since I believe his stat was, I think, 2010 or 2012. But we're, we're at a sub-4% unemployment rate. The last time we saw delinquencies this high, over a decade ago, the unemployment rate was over 8%. Think about that. We have the same default rate when the unemployment rate was, you know, multiples, almost double what it is now. That tells you the U.S. consumer is struggling. They have paid for all of this inflation with pandemic excess savings from the government, which they can't count on anymore. And for those paying student loans, that buffer is being taken away from them. So imagine what the default rates would be when we actually start seeing the unemployment tick up to four percent, five percent, six percent. So for me, you know, the idea of a soft landing, Chris, you would have to tell me what, that, what the stimulus is going to be. You know, where's the growth going to come from? over the next year when you've got everyone retrenching and everyone basically using all of their levers that they could pull to you know, keep going, whether that's excess savings, whatever it may be, all of those supports are falling one by one, which is why for me, I still think that we are heading for a recession. I don't see how that's avoidable. I mean, you just look at commercial banks, You know, the banking crisis we had in March, that's not over. I mean, we're, we're seeing banks struggling You know, in terms of rising defaults, deposit fly, they're forced to sell securities. This is not a bullish picture that you would typically see coming out of a bear market bottom or, you know, in terms of an economy that's getting ready to accelerate.
1: You know, it's just fascinating because when you think about the 16 consecutive months of decline that we've now seen in the conference board's leading economic index, them warning about near term risks of recession, like you mentioned, bank tightening at recessionary levels, rising defaults. I mean, there's all these macro data points that we can point to. Even we should also include what you mentioned earlier zero growth in real retail sales for the last two years. But, you know, you look at all these negative macro data points and you would say, oh, uh, it's pretty clear that. We're looking at a recession, but I mean, the U.S. government is spending like drunken sailors, trillions and trillions of dollars as if we're in a recession. So, I mean, that that's the thing is all of these negative data points are just being overshadowed by the trillions of dollars that are being funneled right into the U.S. economy.
0: You're absolutely right, Chris. I mean, when you look at, for example, the amount of debt that we are spending, I mean, we really are acting as if we're in a wartime, recessionary economy. And when you look at the budget deficit relative to the size of the economy, you know, it's it's a 7.6% deficit. The only time we've exceeded that, Chris, was coming out of the worst financial crisis since the Great Depression. So, (laughs) I mean, just, I mean, we better pray we don't go in recession. I mean, can you imagine where the the deficit would be if we actually fell into a recession going forward when we're starting at recessionary-level deficit spending right now. I mean, the the fiscal situation is not good. We really, I mean, you look at the federal government, it's struggling, Chris. I mean, how can it continue to increase the amount of spending when interest rates are what they are? I mean, we're essentially looking at an annualized interest expense on our debt of about a trillion dollars. And if we continue to see interest rates maintain over you know five percent average level when we've got about a third of u s debt coming due between now and the end of twenty four I mean we're going to be paying almost two trillion dollars in interest expense unless the Fed cuts so it's you know that saying Chris, you know something that can't continue won't, and essentially, we cannot continue to see interest rates remain at this level given our debt burden. It's going to have an impact, and uh, i that's why for me. I really do not see a lot of tailwinds out of us. I see more and more developing headwinds that are really going to impact the economy and I do believe tilt us in recession. It's just, you know, I don't think this recession has been negated. You know, myself and others have made the recession call. We're just seeing things that we don't see late cycle in terms of the business cycle. And that's a massive increase in government spending before recession even begins. So, you know, it's kind of hard to uh, have a recession when, you know, all the uh, things that are uh, pushing you that way all of a sudden get reversed by a massive injection by the federal government.
1: So, Chris, it doesn't look like the economy is as strong as it appears when you look beneath the surface. Again, real retail sales flat for the past two years when you back out inflation. But the trillions of dollars that are being injected into the economy every year is clearly having a significant impact propping up the economy. This also has an inflationary impact, of course, which we are still dealing with. Let's talk about some of the potential implications for the stock market.
0: You know, Chris, we we actually are seeing, in my opinion, a real superficial uh, stock market, just like the economy. Uh, For example, you know, one of my my favorite technicians that I follow and that we've had on the podcast before is John Krinsky. And in one of his uh, pieces that he put out this week, he said, and I'll quote him, as we have been saying for a while now, the current landscape is either the slowest, weakest start to a new bull we have ever seen, or it's one of the longest, strongest bear market rallies we have ever seen. I really like that uh, that quote because that really kind of sums up what's going on. I mean, this is a very weak and pathetic bull market, or this is an incredibly strong bear market where the bear has just been going into hibernation. And one of the the studies that uh, John did earlier this year, and I expanded on it and did an update, was looking at major market bottoms over the last 25 years and how returns look 11 months out. So the market bottomed on October 13th of last year. And I was looking at data from October 13th to September 13th. So exactly 11 months from the bottom. What are the typical returns for the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, and the Russell 2000 small cap index. And I wanted to look at what did the index do, and what did its median member do, and kind of look at you know what's typical, what's average, and how we compare to that. And this goes all the way back to uh, the 1998 long-term capital management, mini bear market and crash, and then uh, the Fed cut rates in, and the market uh, took off. So I looked at the 98 bottom, the 2002 bear market bottom, the 2009 bear market bottom, the 2016 bottom, which was a pretty steep sell-off uh, starting from 2015. I also looked at the bottom in 2018 in December. I looked at the obviously the the COVID March 2020 bottom, and then I compared and looked at also the October 13th 22 bottom, and. You know, not looking at the 22 bottom, but looking at all those other bottoms. The S&P on average was up 44% 11 months out. The NASDAQ on average was up 64%. The Russell 2000 was up on average 60%. So very, very strong returns, you know, almost looking out a year from the bottom. And when we look at the median member, we also saw strong returns. So the median S&P stock was up 45%. The median NASDAQ stock was up 45%. The median Russell stock was up 50% from the low. Now let me read you, Chris, the stats that we have seen 11 months out from last October's bottom. The S&P is not even up half of what it normally is. Instead of being up 44%, it's up 20 Barely the definition of a bull market. The NASDAQ is up less than half of what it's normally up. It's up 28% versus an on average 64%. Now things really diverge when you look at the Russell 2000 small cap. On average, as I mentioned previously, the Russell is up 60% looking out in 11 months. The Russell is up 7. A little over one-tenth of what we normally see. Now, what really is shocking is when you look at the median member. So the S&P median member is up 45% 11 months out. This time around, the median S&P member is up 12. Barely up double digits, not even a a bull market for the average S&P stock. Now, the NASDAQ median member is up 45% 11 months out. The median NASDAQ stock since last October is down. Not up, Chris. Down 2%.
1: Mm.
0: I mean, talk about a dichotomy. Up 45% on average to the current being down by 2%. is a huge, huge change. And the best median return came from the Russell 2000 small cap. On average, the median member is up 50% in 11 months out. This time around, the median member is down 1%. So... Mm. You know, I, you know, it's it's something that we have never seen before, Chris. You know, and it's like what Krinsky said, this is the worst, weakest, slowest bull market we have ever seen, or this is the strongest bear market rally we have ever seen. I mean, it is. If you're saying this is a bull market, this is not healthy at all. Um, and when you know, for all those saying we're in a bear market, when you look at the index, it's really hard to make that case. But as I mentioned, Chris, when you dig beneath the surface for the economic data, things are not what they seem. And when you certainly lift up the hood for the the major indices and you look at all their component parts that make up the vehicle, uh, which is its members, I'm sorry, Chris, that is not the sign of a bull market. So for me, I still think a lot of these one-off supports that we will not and cannot count on over the next 12 months are gone and that's why i think you know i agree with john in the latter that this is the longest and strongest bear market rally we have ever seen and i don't think that we are done i mean everything we see banks tightening lending standards credit creation slowing employment slowing retail sales inflation adjusted you know flat to to slowing Um, you know all of these things are the hallmarks of being late in the cycle on your way towards a recession. So I still think that lays in the cards. When you look at market liquidity, it's definitely been a major support for the the financial markets, and there's really no telling how long that will go on. So for us and our clients, Chris, we maintain a neutral posture because the liquidity environment is still bullish for the general market, but the economic backdrop and the health of the market is not good, which is why we're not increasing our exposure above neutral, and you know we're not looking to do that our what we're looking at, Chris is we've got an eye on the door, and we're looking at when we're going to go back to a maximum defense posture. But for now, as long as the liquidity support is there to help push the market higher, we'll stay in neutral but again chris we we definitely have an eye on the exits and will not be caught uh in terms of being one of the last people out
1: so currently neutral or perhaps slightly bullish with low conviction. <laughs>
0: I, I would say, you know, straight neutral. Uh, we're, we're not bullish um, or, or, or bearish at this point because, again, liquidity is still somewhat supportive for the market. So, um, But we're we're very concerned. I mean, it's, you know, we've got positive seasonality ahead of us. You know, usually the fourth quarter is pretty strong. Uh, when you look at stock buybacks, the two strongest months of the year are typically November, December. So you try to kind of close out their plans, uh, their purchase, repurchase plans going into the end of the fiscal year. Uh, calendar year. So uh, there are some positive seasonalities for the market. Uh, Liquidity is is still favorable, but economically speaking, uh, I think the economy is going to continue to disappoint on the downside, which means, in my opinion, that corporate earnings are going to disappoint. So uh, I wouldn't expect strong gains in the market going into the end of the year. What may transpire, Chris, is the positive seasonalities with a weakening economy might mean we just tread water and the real pain may be in 2024. So, uh, again, we are not looking to increase our risk posture for our clients. If anything, we're looking to decrease at the first sign of trouble that we see in the market.
1: As always, we've been speaking with our Chief Investment Officer here at Financial Sense Wealth Management, Chris Baflava. Chris, it was a pleasure to speak with you on our Smart Macro segment today. We look forward to speaking with you in another two weeks. <music>